Hi, welcome to episode two of the Retro Brothers. And in tonight's episode, we've got a little uh, Commodore 64 theme in news, followed by a very weird game console, um, a mixer, and um, some Apple and Bitcoin goodness. And in our main section, we've got a game review followed by excellent and retrofied text adventure creator. Hello. Good afternoon or good evening. Oh, that's uh, certainly feels like evening now, doesn't it? So, yeah, it certainly does. Dark nights again, still. Well, do you know what? Dark nights get some podcasts listened to, including ours. Absolutely. Well, I did listen to ours last week, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounded good. Yeah, um, so that's how sad we are. So, uh, feedback. You know, it's always good for, so anybody hears it from whatever platform they can give us some feedback. Go onto our website or go onto uh, whatever platform you listen to. If you can feedback, that'll be awesome. Always good. We're trying to grow our platform and hopefully we can uh, get plenty of listeners. Yeah. So, what have you been up to in the uh, the week since our last podcast then? Anything? Well, I've been trying to get this uh, room sorted that, that my uh, home office is in. Um, mine's in the loft, so I've got plenty of boxes in the eaves and all that lot, so it feels more like a storeroom than it does an office. I'm trying to sort that out, so I've been moving my desk around, so I'll be doing plenty of cable management, which I hate. Uh, and that's it, really. I've been playing around with uh, Raspberry uh, Pi Hole again, and uh, I've been playing around with the, a mixer, which we'll talk about. Uh, and that's about it. Oh, I did get, by the way, I did get the case for the uh, ah, Raspberry Pi yeah. 400. Um, it's not, it's not bad. It's not bad quality. It's not bad at all. It's um, you know the the underlying felt that you get sometimes in the boot of a car. Yeah, that durable stuff. It's like that. So it's not bad. It's got nice so base stitching. What, what can you actually fit in it? Then does it just oh, fit? Oh, the... that's that's the problem with it. it you can only fit in the uh, the Raspberry Pi. I've got a cable in there as well, but that's about yeah. it. So it's great, but you're gonna to have to stick your other stuff in something else. So it's a sleeve. It yeah, it is what it is. So you can put that in uh, another a slightly larger bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, bag, it'll, it'll protect bag, bag. it if you put it in a bag at yeah. least. And then you want to take it around to somebody else's house and plug it in, yeah. which uh, the only house it'll be is yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not think anybody else will appreciate me taking it out. I'm going to go around to the house and plug it into the TV and start doing a bit of coding. Probably not, especially if they don't know you. No, <laughs> you're no. just you're some random person walking into their house. So what have you been doing? I can see behind you. Obviously, we're not showing video at the moment, but I can see we're behind not, you. We've so, got some nice display. Yeah, so, well, so basically that display was there slightly behind loads of suitcases, but we've, um, yeah, so we've done the main bedroom now, so my bedroom is back. Um, so you can see my vocal booth for, for my music, uh, obviously uh, my keyboard, but yeah, behind me, yeah, the BBC micro is there in display now with a, a Pac-Man light on top, which isn't going to stay there. And I've got my um, ZX Spectrum and then the C64 above it and it a couple of Nokia phones, but yeah. It's a shame we're not a video podcast as well, so people could just actually see that. You never know. Things may change. We might start doing video as well. 
because we do actually use video to see each other. But yeah, th if uh, if it does well or people ask for it, then uh, we might actually think about doing it at some point. But and then everyone can see your display. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do video one day, and then at least when we uh, put links in the show notes and we're talking about things, we can uh, maybe show what we're actually talking about to some people. That sounds good. Yeah, might might have to do that. We might even broadcast it live so people can see it live and see all the mistakes we might make. Or don't um, make. And there's, and there's plenty of them. <laughs> so we've got a fair few bits of pieces in the news today. Certainly have. Uh, looking at this, as, um, yeah, there is a fair bit. So we've got, yeah, definitely like you said in the intro, we've got some C64 uh themed articles in there um a few boring things like privacy concerns and all that jazz but um yeah so uh let's go for it then so we've got uh farming simulator so anybody who's a bit of a buff on the old simulators i don't know whether you're actually playing if you've ever played truck simulator or so there's euro truck and there's uh american truck simulator uh farming simulator is one of those where even the people like the flight simmers, you know, that some some of these people do it for, you know, truckers do it for a real job and then they come home and they jump in a simulator. Um, I'm not sure how many how many farmers actually play this game, but Farming Simulator has been running. I think it's been going for about since about 2008. Uh, I think we're on version 50, something like that. Now someone has made uh, a C64 version. Um, yeah, so the, even when you look at graphics, isn't that like some nice isometric C64 style? Um, I believe that's actually running as a an emulated disc, so you actually have to use the emulator. Um, so you get the ROMs, native ROMs, and it's uh, $4.99, or what, it's about £3 sterling. Um, yeah, so you can play the game... Do a bit of farming, check your crops, all that jazz in C sixty four style. What do you reckon to that? Yeah, I'm just look, I'm just looking. The, the graphics actually look, um, to be honest, they look decent, um, bad, and, they? and and they actually look better than the. Um, so if you remember the first ever Sim City for certainly for the PC anyway, Amiga and yeah, PC. I, uh, I mean that that certainly looked worse than this. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. I'd be curious to see what the um, because because it says there's four different versions here. Um, so you get the uh, the one the emulator version running on PC. So it almost it's almost telling you that um, it's got a version with the emulator with like an emulation wrapped into it. Um, but you also get the um, images as well to be able to put into the C64 Mini and Max, which we're going to talk yeah. about in a, in a moment. Um, C128. Yeah, um, on a yeah on a real. So, so yeah, the D64 image, which could be copied onto a five and a quarter inch disc for a, a real Commodore 64, uh, which is always great to see. And then the CRT image version, um, which, which yeah, and they've gotten even as far as yeah, you can put it on a cartridge, uh, which you can use on a real Commodore 64 because the the C64 doesn't um, support cartridges. But yeah, and that's uh, actually coming from the farming simulator guys as well. So it's on their website. I'm not too yeah. sure whether they've actually developed it themselves, 
um, but it's on the Farming Simulator website. I will put a link in the notes if you want to spend, uh, I don't know, for a price of a coffee or something. Get yourself a nice retro version of Farming Simulator into that sort of thing. I've never played Farming Simulator. I like all the others. I like all the truck simulators and all those. Um, purely because I don't normally do it myself in real life. And I don't really come home at night and play IT Simulator. I think there is a PC desk, desktop builder game or something. But Is there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's not something I want to do, you know. I don't yeah. want to come home and do my job and simulate it. But you know, if you if you are a farmer and you want to do it in the old-fashioned way, retro, go for it. If you just enjoy the farming simulator in general, go for it. It's cheap yeah, enough. It's worth a punt. It is. I'm trying to think. The um, I suppose we should look, but yeah, there's so many very weird different simulators. I know. I can't remember which you all last year and. Uh, it sort of made me think, why the hell would anyone want to simulate that? I don't think it was farming simulator. I think it was something else, because um, you could get it for the uh, for the Xbox, but it, it escapes me, so I don't know. I've, I have played Train Simulator. Um, there's a few Train Simulators. There's a few versions out there, but there's a couple. Of, I think it's the main developers, I think there's only a couple of them, but there's yeah. a few iterations. One, one I think, is they just keep upgrading it. Another one, they keep bringing out new versions. Yeah, I don't know much about them, but uh, the one I played, uh, just to curious, is the one just because I saw it on um, a YouTube video once. It's got the London Underground, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> apart from obviously, it's automatic, so you're not doing anything apart from stopping the. Um, I think the train to make sure people can on the platform, which I found really hard. Um, it yeah, it didn't. Well, I'm, sorry, I, I, I'm sure it's going to appeal to. Um, Buffs who uh, to people who are into that sort of thing. There's a but massive right fan now, base for those, yeah. Yeah, it was so, curious, but the graphics, the graphics were, yeah. I, I got to got to say, I were impressed with the graphics um, on, on on that. But well, we could always yeah, do I, that at some point. We could always go through yeah. and go through some of the uh, most more weirder ones out there and, and uh, sure review some uh, of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But now this looks okay, actually, and uh, I might even. I even download it and try it on uh, oh, you've the C sixty four. Yeah, when I upgrade the firmware, yeah, yeah, when it, yeah, which comes to the, our next topic. So after, and I'm not, you see, I'm not sure if it has had one since. So, so obviously, I got mine last Christmas uh, as a Christmas present, and I've, I don't know, I found it a bit of a um, bit of a letdown with it. You know, it's you know, like we said last week, it's merely almost a empty shell with a little Raspberry Pi type all-in-one um, you know, computer right, right in the corners and um, it's like you pick it up, it does feel really light but um, it, it does you know, simulate, it does do the 64 but they've they've just released, so they are supporting it, but they have just released um, another firmware um, for it, version 142 Um uh, it does fix a lot of issues with joysticks, uh, which is, uh, sort of, uh, the joystick ports. Um, it adds um, data set controls for tape files, so tape files, so you can basically, uh, well, so it's, that's mainly for, so, so if you remember years ago, obviously a lot of games, bigger games, as, as they got into the late 80s and early 90s were multi-load. So obviously you couldn't get all the game in the, in the memory at once. So you played level one, level two, and then it would load the next. And it's designed for that, so you can start playing multi-load games. So if you've got uh, a tape image 
you can play multi-load games and that's and then they've so they've added that uh, mainly for that. Um, they've added soft and hard reset hotkeys. Um, now <clears throat> it added hard reset anyway, um, as in you unplugged it, but you can now you've now got hotkeys. But the soft version of the resets there for anyone that likes to cheat and put loads of poke and peek commands in there um, to get extra lives and that, so it supports that. Um, basically, that's that's it's in there for that more than anything. But it also it's, it adds some games as well. So you've got Barnsley Badger, and I've not heard of a lot of these. Um, Barnsley Badger, Solness, Galencia, and Planet of Death for the Vic Twenty. Um, so that's. Yeah, that's interesting. Galencia does ring a bell to our Vic 20 gate days. So when we had our Vic 20, that Galencia just, I think it's like Galaxian, I think, or yeah, something. I mean, that that's something I didn't know. So this actually it just not doesn't emulate 64 only. So you can do oh. Vic 20 games as well. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. So it does. So 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 basically, yeah. The, the C64 as uh, so you can go into Commodore 64 mode, um, and it just takes you into the Commodore 64 computer. Uh, as you would a normal one, or you can go in Vic 20 mode and it does exactly the same. But in, oh, the mode that they have is the carousel. Well, the ca- the carousel is an interface, and in there you could you, you, you mainly use that to play games. So what um, I'd like to see then is I I somewhere amongst all the games that I've got packed away in the room I'm tidying up at the moment, I've got a, a Vic 20 game. The only one I think we bought on cartridge. So. Can we get that off for you to play? Um, well, it, it it doesn't use cartridge, um, so you can't. Yeah, so you have to find a way of getting it off the cartridge. That's I think in the ne- next few weeks, I think that's a little task for you to find out if there's any way of doing it. Because I'll, I'll dig it out, and you can you can uh, see if you can get the image off. I can't remember the name of the game to be honest with you. But it's the only Vic Twenty game I remember that. I, that I've got in my old collection. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I, I do remember a cartridge game, but I thought it was a text adventure. Uh, it was something to do with ants or something. You had to like oh, go right, into okay. an ant colony of giant, yeah, giant ants or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. If I could, if if, uh, if there's any way of doing it, that'd be a good one. Because if if we can get, find out if we can get the, there must be a way to get the ROMs off because people have been doing it with Nintendo and and Mega Drives. For years, so there must be a way of getting them rom- those ROMs yeah. off. Whether or not you have to have the original machine to read it first and then find a way of pulling it off, I don't know. But it might be worth trying that. Might be worth yeah, trying definitely. to find out. I'd love to have a look at that. But yeah, so this is the um so there's a lot in there, you know, they've added some games as well. Um and let's have a look at the Commodore 64 um for the that's a couple of different. Oh, yeah. So uh, for you people in the in America, not certainly in the North American uh, model of the uh, C sixty four, it adds. Um, and you'll remember this game, Grid Runner. Yeah. Yeah. So. So we don't um, get that then, is it? Just. Well, no. I well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we do now. So I think licensing wise, I, I don't think it's licensed for European. So we don't get that. That's a shame. Unfortunately, yeah. That's a shame, um, but you know, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, you know, you never know. It probably could be one day because it seems to be the uh, and the key. So two games for the North American model. 
I suppose like any console or anything like that back in, back in the past, they used to have different versions. And, uh, you know, may, maybe you can try to find a way of getting a, an American version, giving it a go and see what it's like. Yeah. Which brings us yeah, on so to like... video consoles, the Bud Light. Yeah, this is a very, yeah, this is a very curious, strange one. I just saw this pop up in uh, one of uh, a news item a, a while back. I just it's, uh, an image. So to, if you look at it, so it looks like uh, for anyone out there, so it basically looks like a, a crate of six pack of beer. Um, but but it actually does keep store or keep two cans cool. <laughs> So, so you can actually put it's it's a cooler as well. So it keeps your beer cool, um, but it's got a projector inside it. Okay, is is the is this like a sort of a tech demo or something, or is this is this a le- no, legit it's, product? It, it's legit. So it's got six games. It's sixteen gigabyte. Well, so I think it's, so it's got sixteen gigabytes of memory. Uh, memory with six games, um, Tekken Seven and Soul Calibur Five. Now I'm not. I'm not sure what versions of Tekken 7 or you know where, where, what what format they are because it doesn't actually say but the fact it's got a built-in Asus projector so but so basically you're projecting it so it doesn't even need a TV so you can take your, your pack of beer okay you know you've got to share one with whoever you're gonna you're going to somebody's house with so you're not really gonna get drunk on one beer a piece. Um, but it does cool the beer, but obviously you get the, uh, it's got storage for the two game pads. Um, and then obviously then the six, the six games, but if I go into it, so it's, uh, it's well, it's a win. So basically it's a Windows 10 PC with an Intel i7 <laughs> CPU um, and 16 gigs of RAM. Um yeah, so the yeah the PC appears to be Microsoft Surface Pro similar system. So it's it's a bit, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. So it's a PC shaped as um, yeah a Bud Light. So it's not really a console, even though they mark it as such. But the internals seem to be uh, a Windows Ten PC. So is it something where it's a sort of a limited thing and? You, you're not going to be able to get it on your local. Yeah, so, yeah. so I think it is actually, so it is very limited. Um, I mean, the Asus, project, I mean, it's, it projects at 720p. Um, it's just got built in, so it's Intel Iris graphics. So, of course, Tekken 7 and Soul Calibur 6 are, um, are obviously PC games. Um, uh, yeah, from all on that list. So, they're from two cans of cooling fans. Um, which is weird. But the middle two are oldest for the game controllers um, and the other two are to cool your beer. So, yeah, it's um, it, it's, it, it's very weird. But, yeah, so, and even, even states in here, it's going to be very hard to actually get. Yeah. it's it, Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it is limited, but... Well, I mean, if you can if you can get hold of a, a, a version, or I'm sure someone will buy it and then sell it straight on eBay for triple the amount. So there's always a chance of bagging one of them. But I don't I like the idea of being able to pick up a, a what looks like a six pack of beer and taking it around to a friend's house and doing a bit of gaming. But I mean, they've died many, many, many times over now. The, the old land games where you used to go around to a a local, I don't know, 
scouts hall or something like that. We'd all you'd all sit around in the dark with bring your own PC and and play against each other. I mean, that would have been perfect at the time when when they were quite popular. Yeah. But the old lampite is very very few of them now. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, That's pretty decent. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's an open system. Um, like I said, with it being based on Windows 10, but you do get the the six games. Um, oh, it's not but, an open um, system, is it? If it's Windows 10. <laughs> oh yeah, well, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, if you you know if you fancy if for those um, people who like Bud Light, you know, check it out. Um, I'm not sure where you can get it from, and I'm not sure how many they've actually made. Well, we'll put um, a link in just, the notes. Yeah, um, but it just seems to be something that the Bud Light engineering team did. Um, <laughs> they must have had lots of spare time on their hands. To, well, to it's, it's yeah. not a busy time for people, you know, and they've got to find something to keep them going in the job. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a decent project. Interesting little, you know, maybe there'll be some uptake on it and they might actually sell more. So yeah, moving I do, on. Actually, I do actually like Bud Light, those beer, but there you go. Let's, uh, yeah. I've never, t- I've never tried it myself. Mixers, no. yes. So I, I've spent, I would say, about two to three months looking for a, a tiny little mixer. Um, what I've got is, obviously we're talking now when we're doing our podcasts and sometimes I do a bit of streaming under a different gamer name. And back, if people want to know who it is, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll post it on there. Um, I've got audio coming in from different uh, sources like a def- separate laptop and I've, I've got my uh, mobile phone that sometimes I push stuff through I've been looking for a mixer and nothing special just pulling in all these different audio sources and then pushing them straight into one PC where it can record it or have it together with some video there are loads out there if you go onto Amazon you've got countless different mixers out there You've got some that are really fancy for, I don't know, 80, 90 quid. You've got some really, really basic ones where you have a couple of channels in and one channel out. And you even have one that's just a USB sound card. It's just one volume and one mute. So I wouldn't really call that a mixer, but that's what they uh, put it down as, peg it as. So I've got the um, Maker Heart, if I'm pronouncing that right. And... Uh, it's called a loop mixer. Now, most people would assume that we're talking about audio loops here, you know, where you play a bit of music, you record the loop, and then you play it back. Um, but it's not for that. It's got a couple of parts at the back, which allows you to loop another mixer. So if, for example, I run out of audio channels, which I won't with this because there's plenty of channels, then I can just plug in another one and I can loop them through and then I can just data chain multiple ones off that. According to the manual, I should be able to do it off one power source. And it's not USB powered, which I always like. I've been told not to do that. Even you've said that. And you're the uh, more of an audio expert than me. It's a good little simple mixer. If you want something, you don't want to mess around with having to convert jacks. Because a lot of them are what, what they call a half inch, is it? Half inch of the bigger ones. Or if you don't want to have to mess around with left and right channels, you just want 3.5 mil jack parts at the back. This is perfect. You've got your balance. You've got your um, volume control. It's all in there, and you, you can just pipe it through, and you've got two outputs. So one, you can pop it straight in, into a set of speakers or something, and then the other one straight into your PC for recording. There's also a separate headphones jack as well, which I'm not using at the moment. I'm having it go straight to my speakers and then back out over the earphones. And I'll tell you what, I've I've got an XLR microphone, and I've always had it 
uh, going through the um, the phantom power, which then goes straight into the PC. And it's always been a little bit, not quiet, but not quite crystal clear. It's, it's, it's not been great sound. I push it through this little mixer, and the sound is so much better. And it's, it's a cheap little mixer. There's plenty of them out there. But for your money, if you just want 3.5mm jack inputs and a couple of outputs and some headphones and have control over the, all those um, sound sources, then this is perfect. I've been using it for about three or four weeks now. It's a decent one. I'll put a link in the notes, but it's a good little mixer. What's your thoughts? Yeah, it looks uh, it, it looks pretty tied down looking at it on... Um on um sort of a keyboard uh, sort of setup as well so it's great for people to uh sort of mixing to well to get there to, to sort of mix their own sort of monitor so monitor their own um sort of audio um in a music background but um, yeah I, I mean for the for the price the fact that you can have five stereo inputs or 10 stereo yeah, monos. I don't is, actually um, have it in front of me, actually, but you can actually split those as well. So, you, so you've got stereo going in there, but there are audio splitters you can have. If you're, if you're using a guitar and you just want to, or using a microphone, you're not going to get, you don't want to, you may not want stereo coming through from those sources. There's actually splitters you can put in the back and then you can put more extra channels. So, in theory, if you're having mono, you can have up to 10. Yeah, um, it it does look good, and the fact that you can, um, yeah, the fact you can pan as well. Um, I see what it does actually. So you've got so you can balance uh, if it's stereo, you can pan left to right. That's right. But then obviously it also if you do two mono, you can go from one from channel one to channel two if you've yep. got two mono. Yeah. Yeah, you've got control uh, of your gain, okay. control of the volume. I like it. It's it's great little tool. And and what I do is I generally pipe through. I watch video on a separate laptop when I'm working, and if I get a video call, I can just I can just turn down the source volume of the video, leave that running in the background. When I finish on the video call, I'll just turn that back up, so I can control all my audio going into the speakers and into the PC itself. I like it. They have some smaller ones there. I think the, there's a few out there that allows you to a couple of channels. That's about thirty nine quid. I think I spent about seventy quid on this one. Yeah, we're going to say 70 quid for something with, you know, when you're getting five stereo inputs especially. Um, and, you know, some people think they, they, they might only need one or two, but you soon run out and you soon want to bring something else in. And by that yeah. time, you think, right, now I need to upgrade my mixer. I mean, for, for me, for 70 pounds, you might as well have something where you've got a bit of bedroom. So if you need to bring in a bit other sources, you, you can do it with this. You're not going to run out for, for things, certainly for podcasting, um, or streaming or doing things on YouTube for YouTubers. Um, and I think even for me, look at it, you know, music, even people that do, you know, a one-man band, you know, get little gigs, uh, you know, they, they, they do, you know, churches, uh, certainly in, a, you know, in America where people do, you know, the, uh, a lot of church, church stuff and um, obviously little pubs and clubs in, the, in this country. I think it's ideal, although nobody's doing any of that at the moment. But no. um, I, I, yeah, I think it's decent. It's travel friendly. It's, it, it looks light. And um, what's the uh, build quality like? Well, do you know what? It is plastic. Um, it's not metal. But you, you, there's no bend in it whatsoever. And it's a decent, yeah. decent weight. So when you're moving the sliders on your desk, 
you don't feel like you're going to move it around because it's that light. It's got quite a bit of weight to it. Um, it feels solid. It's a decent little item. Um, you know, I could do a review on it, but I've, you'd, you'd be, I'd be missing so much. I'm, I'm not an audio expert. You're getting the output right now from the uh, mixer, so the clarity, I think, is quite good. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think it's great for that price. Um, it's it's definitely worth uh, looking at. So that's the um, that's the uh, heart mixer. That's it. Yeah, heart mixer, loop loop up mixer. Um, there will be a link in the notes if you want to have a look at that. So the next one is privacy concerns from Apple again. So. Um, this apparently is um it, it appeared in my stream uh, a new stream earlier on this week and it comes from uh, a chap called jeffrey paul who writes up about the latest osx uh, basically titled your computer isn't yours anymore and he goes through to explain that a modern versions of mac os um it knows when you're launching uh, certain applications so it knows that you've opened up an ebook reader or text editor and it sends that information back and each one's a unique uh, identifier. So every program you run and when you run it, people don't realize this. So because it's silent, it's invisible and people aren't aware of it. And I'm sure it's in the terms and conditions when you fire up the PC. I've never used a Mac, so I can't tell you what it's like when you first switch them on. But I'm sure somewhere you've got to tick that box to say, I accept that. But the other thing is, it sees your IP. So, of course, if you're, if you're one of the unlucky ones like me, if you have your IP detected, um, it can actually work out the town or city you're in. So, more are fortunate where, you know, it, they, might, they might come out in London. But it takes a time, date, computer, uh, what ISP, city, uh, and the application hash, so it works out what application you've got. So, this has um, an advantage of knowing when what you're doing and when you're doing it. So it, it, in theory, you could work out whether someone's at work because they're firing up the work apps or if they're at home because they're firing up a game or something else. I mean, you know what? Some people might go, well, what does it matter? You know, it's not identifying me, you know, by name, but it is showing your IP address and IP addresses can show to be identified as you. Um, they are un unencrypted. So that's that's to me is the worst thing about it. If you sit on a Wi-Fi in a coffee shop and you spend a bit of time there, your computer transmitting this information unencrypted. So somebody else can grab that information in theory. So not only are they not encrypting the information, I think personally they're getting way too much information from what your PC is doing. Now I'm not saying Windows 10 doesn't do the same because Windows 10 also calls home and sends a lot of telemetry back. Whether or not yeah, it's as bad you, as Apple, you can, you can opt out of that though, and um, <clears throat> that, that I mean that comes up that you can the diagnostics part of it. Um, a lot of people, when you're setting up for the OS, actually, you, you can opt out of the Microsoft stuff, um, and it even tells you what it's sending um, to a certain degree. So it 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 probably still isn't intrusive, but at least they are upfront with it. Um, I think, but I, I think that's more to do with the fact is they were found out. Obviously, years ago, yeah, um, yeah people uh, didn't realise. So. so there you go. Um, you know, some people won't care, but you know, let's face it. Do you get undressed in front of a window with your curtains open? 
Everyone wants a bit of privacy, and that computer isn't yours; it's theirs. They they just want yeah. to do what they want with it, and they can get all that information. And, but... and the thing, and, and the thing, and the thing is, people are in you know fully inflamed into the full Mac uh, Apple ecosystem, and I know it says on there, yeah, you know, it's when you were you're at home work away. They do anyway because if you probably you've got an iPhone, um, <laughs> you're traveling around. They know exactly where you are. Well, do you know? Um, it's really strange that because Google for years has trying to work, been trying to work out where I live, where my home is. And I, my travel time is 10 minutes to work and back. And through the week, it can be literally just that. I, I travel, I may stop off at a, a shop, a store, and then I come home. That's it. You know, sometimes you, you have whole weeks of just yeah. doing nothing apart from that on a weekday. And yet Google still can't work out what my home address is. So I've not set it and, you know, you'd expect it to work out eventually, but it hasn't. So they're not all too clever, but you don't really want that sort of information sent out there. It should no. be our choice. Oh, even, it should be. And even the uh, so Apple CarPlay even tells you where you park your car as well. So if it's telling you who you know, is storing that information somewhere. Exactly. Um, I, I suppose the, the thing on this is uh, with Big Sur coming out, the next Mac OS, um, which obviously supports the new um, ARM uh, processors as well. It's uh, They've got some new APIs in there which prevent things like little snitch from working, so you can't basically block anything going to Apple anymore. So uh, little snitch is a, it seems to be a program done to that, that sort of blocks uh, stuff going That's out. Right, but yeah. this, but apparently it, it, Big Sur, uh, with the new APIs, stops little snitch from working and probably other programs around the same thing. I'm sure someday I'll bring something out to yeah. do it again. But... I mean, it'll be like a little bit like the advertising we spoke about with a pie hole where, you know, if you know the DNS, you might be able to block it. There might be multiple servers, so, you know, they might have uh, multiple DNS names, but you're going to have to sit there and, and look at your traffic. So either on the route, if you've got a fancy router or... I'm not even sure you've got Wireshark available on uh, Mac OS X, but you could do a Wireshark trace and look through all the data that's sending back. That's going to take a bit. You know, your normal Joe isn't going to be able to do that. So they're going to rely yeah. on other people to be able to just either help block it or just going to accept the consequences yeah. that everything they do and when is, is being monitored. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so so I mean, I mean, obviously you you've got that. So that so those people that have got in uh, Max Intel based Max at the moment and they've not upgraded to Big Sur, they've got a choice. Um, but obviously, you know, as soon as you upgrade to Big Sur, you haven't. But for anyone that's going out to buy um, an Apple Silicon, which is the ARM processor um, versions, and obviously that's what they're moving on to. You've got no choice whatsoever. Um, you can't install anything previous to big sir so there's, it's there's a no shame and, and you know what yeah. we, we're giving away these these personal pieces of information and it's slowly being chiseled away you know a lot of people go don't care you know but what what does it matter if they know what time i open an editor or a browser but end of the day they're going to use this information you know they're not they're not doing it for for your benefit they're doing it for their benefit and and let's face it why should they do that? You know, you should you should be able to have a switch that says, "This is my computer. I've paid for this. I'm switching it off." That could go on forever with that one, but we'll move on. 
Yep. Bitcoin. Bitcoin at the moment is going, uh, let's have a look. I think it was about $16,000 for one Bitcoin last time I checked. Um, I mean, this is massive. I mean, I know it went up to about nine or $10,000 last time. But um, I'm assuming that people are buying Bitcoin just purely because of the, of the uh, uncertainty that's going on in the world at the moment. But even gold's taking a hit. So there's there's not just Bitcoin. There's Ethereum or Ethereal. Um, there's there's quite a few others now out there that that you know are slowly rising in price as well because let's face it, who's gonna who's gonna spend sixteen thousand on what Bitcoin? Most people buy a portion if you can do that. So the future of crypt, cryptocurrency, it, it's a thing. People are buying it, so people must be trying to invest. But is it purely an investment tool? So do you are you buying it low and then just selling it high? Um, or are people using it for other reasons? Now, there are cert certain websites and services now that allow you to, to pay them in Bitcoin, but there aren't that many. There hasn't been that much of an uptake compared to where we thought it was going to go. And now there's other currencies out there it's it's been watered down in what what you can what you can use. So who's going to take what cryptocurrency? Is everyone just going to say that Bitcoin's the one? Or at sixteen thousand per Bitcoin, they're not going to do that. You're going to be talking in like what thousandth or or even more of a of a coin to even make transactions for small items. Now, obviously, banks don't like it, governments don't like it, purely because there's there is a record. But it's harder to trace who's made that transaction. Um, if you make a payment, it's just a, a like a hashed address, and you just send it to that address. Now that address could be anywhere. It's just registered as a, as an address and an endpoint. Um, so you could pay you could pay anonymously in theory, and that's what a lot of governments and banks are worried about. They want to be able to handle this sort of informa information. They want to be able to sort handle all this. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, we could use it just for anonymous payments or just for a different way of paying. But obviously, then you've got your criminals. I mean, obviously, the people who are using Bitcoin and other ones just purely to pay for God only knows what on the dark web. Um, so do we want this as, as a thing? Do we, is it, is it a, something that we should have? That, you know, we've got the power, it's our money, it's our currency, we can control it however we want. Or... Do we think that this has become such a big thing now that criminals, uh, I mean, who, who knows how much of this is, is criminal activity now and how much is actually real? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a strange one. And I think given the way 2020 has gone, um, you know, you've got conspiracy theorists and, you know, you've got, you've got the, well, the Great Reset, you know, it keeps getting mentioned, you know, this, this global thing about the great, and it does exist. People who talk about the great reset and it did, you know, um, even, you know, you've got, you've got famous people talking about it as well. And, and apparently the uh, next, uh, a, a conference that's happening next uh, May, I think it, it's, um, I think it's a theme of that event. So people, but obviously people reinterpret what the Great Reset is. Some people think it's climate, but some people are obviously thinking it's everything. Obviously, with what's happening in 2020, um, you know, everybody's economic markets have crashed. Um, some people are saying it's being forced. I don't see that, to be honest. But 
are people buying cryptocurrency because of that? So are they saying that, they, you know, maybe in the future is that going to be the only currency that's worth having? You know, if the Great Reset happens, so people are buying uh, cryptocurrency for that. Again, it's to keep control, like you say. It keeps the control, whereas at the moment, you know, if you've got globalists, Marxists or whatever running the world, as some people are saying, um, there's no control over your own finances, so people buy cryptocurrency for that. I don't well, know. I mean, lo- looking at the price actually at the moment, we're nearly getting up to eighteen thousand. Yeah, for a bitcoin. Um, yeah, you know, I-, I suspect that this is going to probably be another bubble burst, and it'll drop again uh, as people yeah. start. You know, once it becomes worth so much money, it'll drop again. So I, I suspect that. If you have got Bitcoin at the moment, I don't keep an eye on that one because that's going to drop pretty quick when people start selling it. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of agree with you. You know, people are trying to take control of the finances, um, but there's no there's no really easy way of, of handling your Bitcoin. I know you have to have a uh, well, certainly from years ago when I looked into it, you had to have a program and you, you sort of add your own uh, hashed address, which was unique to you. And and uh, I think it took a while for it to download all the data. Uh, it's like a um, sort of a distributed network, so it was like a, almost like a torrent. Um, and you downloaded all these addresses to ad- identify who who had what, as it were. Um, so you could send the money to an address. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's made it easier. You can you can go on to that's got trade markets, online trade markets now for Bitcoin. But from what I understand, and and again, conspiracy theory alert here. If you you go onto one of these marketplaces and you pay and buy Bitcoin direct, you get flagged. In theory. Um, if you sign up to some of these services. Now, some of them, I mean, we've heard in the past, one of them closed down and the money started disappearing. Um, so, yeah, there is an underlying black market going on. Then there is for anything, you know, even when the internet started um, many years ago now, Um People realised they could use that for for um, criminal activities. So there's always going to be that. I think it's it can be nothing but a good thing. Um, yeah, I understand that. You know, we'd like to know when criminals are, are, are taking money for whatever services and and injecting it into Bitcoin and you know effectively getting rid of any trace of the money. But end of the day, you know, it's there for a reason. It's been put there because. We've, there's been too much control over what people have in terms of cash and, and their sort of currency. So watch out. It's going to burst. I can see it. It will drop at some point. So people start selling it off when they've made, made their money. So if you have Bitcoin, just keep an eye out. It's a good thing, I think. And, you know, it helps with the old privacy. And nothing wrong with that. You're not hiding anything. It's just that you want to be a private person. Sometimes you might buy buying stuff that it's not criminal. But you don't necessarily want somebody to know about certainly your bank, especially when you go for those reviews about your mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to a main section, Andy, we've got uh, a couple of games or one maybe a game engine that we're going to review. So the first one, because we like retro graphics, is a game on Steam, and you might be able to get it on other platforms as well called Noita. I'll put the uh, link in there for Steam. Um. Do you remember a little game called Powder Toy? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. So the idea with that is you you could you had access to concrete and wood and various materials and you could paint them in on the screen, 
for people who don't know. And then you could set fire to them. So fire obviously burned wood, but wouldn't burn concrete. Or if you had a flame going and you had it underneath the uh, a metal container and it had water in, you could heat up the container and it would then turn the water into steam. So every little pixel, every little particle in the game would interact in a certain way. So you expect wood to burn, but certain metals not to, but maybe grow hotter. Uh, certain materials would explode. So someone, I guess has taken the idea and made a game called, uh, called Noiter. So the idea is it's a it's a rogue-type game. Uh, you start off at the entrance of a cavern, mines, um, and you're a wizard. You've got really, really basic uh, wand. And you go in there, and the idea is to just travel through the various levels. Um, what's great about it is every piece, so it may be land or a platform or an oil lamp, has interaction. So if you fire your wand at an oil lamp, it'll knock it off. If it splits and breaks, it's near something flammable. The oil ignites. Um, you set on fire as well. So if you go near fire, you'll set on fire for a while. Um, you can also poison yourself. Um, you can have crates explode. You've got creatures that that got certain things like fireballs. We can set th fire to things. You might have huge reservoirs of water. If you explode the ground next to it and create a hole, it pours out and fills the levels below, so you can drown creatures. So there's all sorts you can do in this. What I really like is I was watching someone on Twitch play this game, and there's a little mod or like an inbuilt part of the game where you can have people interact with what you're doing. So every 90 seconds or so, people can vote on what happens to you next. So it might be you get an upgrade to your wand, or you might get some helpers, but then you can also have like rain of oil or rain of fire or huge worms that burrow through and attack you so people can interact while you're playing the game what i like about it is it's retro but it's something new i don't see i haven't seen anything quite like this before apart from something like powder toy which was really more of a simulator or just sort of a, a sandbox style game so this is a, a nice little retro graphics platform game but you've got to be careful what you do if you fire that wand and ignite uh a lake of oil you got you've got to be out of this way because you'll set on fire um the music in it is really good so whoever whether it was the developer or someone composed it for them there's some nice music in there as well so it is rogue it is rogue like so you know when you die you die and you start at the beginning so that's what i like as well because some of these games you know you can actually do a safe position you know god forbid um it's a good game it's cheap uh, the, I think they're on version 1, so it's fully released. Uh, I think you should give that a go, Andy. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now, because it's obviously... Um, yeah, it is cheap. I, I have noticed, actually, that they've sort of brought out the official soundtrack as well, so, you know, I don't know what music's in the game, um, but the, or if the official, uh, official soundtrack also includes, obviously, things inspired by the same person. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely... Definitely be worth worth checking out. Um, yeah, I do like the graphics. Reminds me a bit. It's not, uh, but with the caverns and graphics, it does remind me of the sort of lemmings. Uh, it does look I like don't, lemmings. Don't, don't yeah, know why, but it, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, has that style to it, doesn't it, of uh, lemmings? But yeah, so everything in it, there, you can, you can, you can. If you fancy not go, if you don't fancy going down one one part of the level, you just want to break through to get further down to the portal where you've got to escape. If you've got something explosive, you can just blow it and work your way through. 
plenty and of it ways. Generates a different world, is it procedurally so procedurally generated world? So it is, it, yeah. Um, okay, so it's unique every time you play it. And you can go when you when you go through each level, you, you've got a shop or a store, and you can use the gold that you've you've found on the way through to up, upgrade your your wand. And you've got all sorts of spells. Some bounce around like boomerangs. You got ones that explode on contact. Um, some are short range, but are really powerful. Some long range, but not quite as powerful. So it's it's like the old games. You know, you, you're gonna die. You start again from scratch. Um, there are some daily challenges as well. So that, that on that one, I don't think the level changes and you can work your way through, but you can only play it once every day. But it's well worth looking at. So I think it's about fifteen, sixteen pound for a game like that where you can you can spend hours and if you're if you're on Twitch, uh you can get the your your viewers to uh manipulate the game. They can either decide to help you or hinder you. So that's a nice yeah. little touch to it. Yeah, it, it looks good. Um and definitely yeah, definitely going to give that go. So on stream, then I take it you're looking at it, it's just available for the P. Yeah, for the PC. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I believe so. I don't think it's available on any other platform. It's available for PC. Oh. Um, um, it doesn't doesn't need a lot to run, which is uh, yeah. No, for those Linux gamers out there who like to uh, play PC games, uh, it does work like Nate. If I've played it on both Windows and Linux, and it, and it just plays the same on both. Yeah. There's no lag, there's no issues whatsoever, so it, it just works out of the box. Yeah, it look, looks good. I'm definitely going to give that a go. Definitely. And the next, right, so so we, we, to the next one. So I've been looking at this for a while, actually, and I've, um, so, so, so obviously, as I've started looking at, obviously, Picking up and looking at emulation, obviously, obviously got the spectrum, ordering the spectrum next. Um, started looking at well, you know what, what. So, so, so obviously, as you remember, as you remember, uh, as as we were young, when I had the spectrum, uh, we had gra uh, the graphic adventure creator. I remember that um, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I spent, I spent absolutely probably sixty percent of his time. Creating adventure games now for people that don't know, uh, they had yeah. Back back then there were graphic adventure creators because it was the only thing. So you got a graphic at the top and you got text underneath, and obviously you 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 input commands um, and pick up objects and you go to different places. But obviously the graphics were mainly static, um, so it wasn't a point and click. I think later on, as we've had point and click adventure games and we've had other type of adventure games, these have all now become text adventures. Whether they've got graphics in or not, um, so that, so that, so so I've been looking at you know what is available yet um, for the Spectrum Next. I could get GAC um, Graphic Adventure Creator, um, and I'm sure did the Atari ST have stack? I believe um, I, I believe so. Yeah. Um... There were a few out there. I never really, I never really did one on. It was uh, stuffs that I played on. Yeah, for, that's right. Yeah, games, but... uh, yeah. So, so for the Atari ST, it was Stack. The same, the same people made it, uh, which was the obviously ST Adventure Creator. But with that, um, obviously you got more memory. And we were out of memory on the Spectrum um, plenty of times because we we spent a hell of too much time on the graphics, uh, made them too detailed. But yeah, the, we, we we had fun. 
But the, so, so basically what adventure on is, is an online text adventure offering tool. Um, you know, it's used to play, uh, create games. They, the, the way it works is online, you, it plays HTML5, so it will play on your desktop or your mobile. But on old computers, and I'm not sure how this works, and I need to have a look at this and actually come back with um, a bit of a demo, really. It, actually, it allows you to export to ZX Spectrum and Spectrum Next. Now it's got graphic support. Um, it does have, you can export to Amstrad CPC text only and Commodore 64 text only. So it's, it must, it's, it must export it to a native, you know, to uh, something native for it to work on, on those machines. Um, but yeah, so you can create graphics. So if you have a look at, you can, you know, obviously it's just a standard uh, text adventure creator, but you can create objects, graphics, uh, obviously locations, and it's story based. So it looks at like, you know being able to create stories and now the people that made this originally um, sort of the community it was there to help um, kids uh, sort of between in the ages of eight to twelve code um, so if you if you actually and I think um, one of one of the links that you actually click on it actually shows you some of the code um, that that, that actually, you can actually use. Um, I thought this was slightly harder than what I expected it to be. I don't think the the GUI was as um, I, so certainly you you had to read a lot into it. Um, so so obviously for people that don't know, um, Quill, which is the other massive eight bit adventure creator, Quill and, and Gap. With that, you had uh, you had your own object. Um, inventory so you could create your own list of inventory of objects um your locations were numbered so you'd be able to um put an object into location two for argument's sake and you create your graphics and then you'd say that this graphics associate with location two and, and it worked like that with this it's coded so it's so it's basically you have to code um everything in there now it, it create gives you a template uh, to start with but you do have to code it and code a lot of it in there, uh, which I, I found, yeah, so, so I, I didn't find it as easy as I thought. So the fact that they, you know, they're targeting it at eight to 12 year olds and, you know, yes, um, I, I suppose if, you know, if they're going to learn coding, that's great. Uh, but for me, that just wants to create an adventure game. It's probably not so much. And there's probably something a bit more easier that's more drag and drop. Yeah, because um, you know, in most cases, you you, you went through a, a GUI and creating the the rooms, and then the creating the objects you could have, and then the monsters. Yeah, so so, so it's almost a database. So you're creating a database within a GUI, whereas this you're actually writing code. I'm just, uh, I'm just so looking through that. Yes, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, that I'm I'm really impressed. I've, I've clicked on the documentation. Yeah, and you've got two tutorials there. You've got a 60, 60 minute and a hundred and eighty minute tutorial. Yeah. I mean, this this thing, I mean, the, the only disadvantage of some of the others, um, where they were easier to make, was that you had, you, you were kind of like stuck in there in the way they expected you to do it. This yeah. looks really good. You can handle um, different events, variables, loops. So, you, you know, yeah, the, the kids are going to learn. 
the basics of programming, understanding what a variable is, uh, loops, you can load and save the game, um, you can load up the graphics. and I mean, uh, you know, if you've even got grammar in there as well, yeah, uh, defining an object, uh, lamp object. Yeah, I mean, it's it looks quite comprehensive. So, yeah, I think if you're looking for one of those GUI style uh, adventure creators, you, you might you might be a little bit disappointed in what it does, but Certainly, looking at those tutorials, say sixty minutes, you know, in sixty minutes you should be able to start sort of getting to grips with it. Um, and and you know, looking at the format of the code, I'm feeling a little bit of like it's 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 you know PHP esque or with the curly brackets or Java esque. Um, I mean, I've only done really mainly Python, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if if you've done some code in the past. Picking the the format in and the, the syntax would be quite easy. Uh, if you've never yeah. programmed before, I think it's worth a go. I mean, look, looking through it, I think it looks looks fairly good. Yeah, and there's a video, so um, it, it's obviously when you click on the documentation. So there is create a text adventure in thirty minutes. Um, I've not done that, and maybe I should just to test out how easy it really is. But the uh, yeah, if you can create a text adventure in thirty minutes, there's no reason why. You can't then expand um, beyond that, but um, you are right. It's, the the documentation is comprehensive. It's just the the, the GUI or the, the the way or the lack of GUI, the just way to get to things when uh, isn't there straight away. So it's a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, there's still some development I think to do on this. But the fact it's online based. So, so the, the, you know, it's creating code. You're creating it online. So it's so uh, um, yeah, perfect. Your your new Raspberry Pi, four hundred. Get that. Yeah, create, yeah, create, yeah, yeah. Might, might, be, might be worth doing that. I might, I might have. A, do you know what? I might have a look at this myself. Um, because I do do a bit of coding, but uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not. That is not my full time job. But um, just looking through, you know, you you, you kind of like just creating sort of a, a an array a list yeah. of locations or a list um and then you put your connections together so yeah i see what you mean if you want to that's almost a program to manage and you can click on a list and say show me the locations and then show me what's in that location yeah definitely it looks like the management side of it, it you know you have to look in your code you're gonna have to look through your yeah. lists to work it out i mean there may be something in there i might be missing it because i'm just looking at a reference guide um I might have a play with this myself. So, yeah, you're right, actually. It might be time to get out the Raspberry Pi and, and do some uh, coding with the kids, maybe. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. And, and you know, it goes back to the, you know, we, we, we've had discussions a few times, you know, you know and I'm sure everyone does. You know, people that want to get into coding are always asking, what's the best programming language to learn? Um, you know, what should I learn? It's not just about that. That's your main thing. Your second thing is, what do I program? You know, what project, you know, I need a project to program. And, and for some people, it's hard. Or some people think of something that's too sophisticated, they'll never, ever get to do it. And I, yeah. I, but I think everyone's got a little story in them. Every, oh, de you know, oh, definitely. I, Text adventure yeah. can be quite a complex thing, or you, yeah. you can put string together quite a simple one in, in, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a language quite easily. Um, I, I, I agree. You know, if, you, if you're learning coding, the worst thing is, is to download a, a sort of a big... Uh, free engine like Unreal, and you think, yeah. oh, okay, I can just drag and drop stuff, or I can download assets and just throw it into into the uh, 
into the engine but you know once you start doing that you, you've got to start you've got to learn at some point you've got to break out and learn the coding yeah. um or you learn maybe python or, or java or what what your javascript yeah um and what people tend to do is that they might get a library that allows them to to sort of go one level up and and, and use that library to to display graphics play sounds and then before before you know it people are trying to do something so complex instead of just I don't trying to escape something on a screen you're having two sprites and that that is your project so yeah it is very hard i think this would be very good um it reminds me of scratch so you can you, you can throw together a, i mean obviously this is very specific but you can throw to throw together a game um that's more visual but it, it this looking at this this is teaching the basics like variables loops and that sort of thing it- it is what it's teaching out a plan as well. So it's very, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, if people don't know. So with, with adventure games, you have to, you have to, well, you have to plan to a certain degree. So you have to, I, I remember, I remember the olden days because obviously, you know, with locations, they have to be numbered. And that's how I'd learn. I used to get a big A3 piece of paper or whatever. And, uh, you know, it would be, you know, I'd have number one probably in the middle of the page. And then I'll be, that location, number two, number three. So you'd end up having a map, but before you know it, you've almost got a story um, because it's like, okay, now I've got this map. Where am I trying to get to and why? Um, And that's, you know, and that really is your story. I I I like it. I'm going to have a play with this. And I think you have to do that, really. I think if you just jumped into this aimlessly, certainly if you haven't occurred it, I think you'd get lost fairly quickly. So I think you have to, in, in your mind, at least... You know, draw out ten locations. That's all. Just put ten locations. Um, draw it on a piece of paper. Number it even, um, and then start and coordinate. Put your objects in there. Um, and, and, and the good thing that I like about that I do like about this is you can create your own default layouts. Um, so you can have graphics in different places. You can um, show different lists or not. Um, so there's certain things you can do, but you create your own default layout when you start, um, and it even considers obviously mobile layouts. So if you're doing this for mobile, you do you you obviously do a mobile layout as well. Not sure how you'd play a graphic text adventure on a mobile phone though. Um, I'm guessing it'll um, be some. It'd be probably a web or something. I have noticed. Well, obviously, obviously it's HTML5, but are you going to sit there typing away and the graphics? I don't know. Maybe. Well, maybe, you, maybe you do. There's nothing timed. You know, you can spend your time typing it in, so it's not like you, you, you've got to be quick. I noticed at the top of the uh, website they've got the uh, Christmas game jam on. So I'm guessing, and win a Raspberry Pi 400 desktop yeah. plus more. So I'm guessing that they get people to uh, write games. Uh, and I guess who, I mean, I've not looked at it, but I guess who, who wins might win some prizes. So I, do you know what? This, this is, again, something else that that, that maybe they should be showing kids in schools. And we've, we've said that in the past, um, that this is a good tool. Um, this should be so easy for somebody to, to learn to then show the kids and get kids to learn a little bit of programming and have a bit of fun. This This is going back to basics, but I like this. I'm, I'm gonna have a play yeah. with this. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. Do you know what? I'm gonna see whether I can get something running up and running for next time we're speaking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at the uh, mobile uh, screen now. It, it does that. Like the layout it does actually look pretty good. 
um, interactive touch. So yeah, I, I think it's great. And yeah, like you say, I mean, you can actually play. So people have put obviously the games on there for people to play. Um, so people have created the adventures and it is on there. But yeah, there's a Christmas jam. Anyone wants to um, do it between now and Christmas and create, a, you know, a text adventure? Why not? It, yeah, if it gets people doing it, it, it just. It just because you know you're not having to invest, so you're not downloading something, installing it onto your computer. It's Can not it restricted anything. to a bit. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. So it's web based. If you've got a, if you've got a Raspberry Pi, just throw it up. Raspberry Pi, Chromebook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, anything. Yeah. Well, looking on there as well, they've got a PDF on there, and they've actually got a classroom PDF. So it gives you examples of what you can tell the, the kids in a classroom. Yeah, I mean. Do you know what? Kudos on this one. I, I, this is something I've completely bypassed. And I do try to uh, teach uh, my kids a few bits and pieces along the way, um, whether they like it or but, not, of course. I mean, text adventure, really, when you think about it, it's, it's obviously, you know, a programming language is going to teach you logic anyway, but this is also teaching you imagination and logic together. And, it works And together it's also really lo well. logic within a game as well. So it's like, hang on. I can't go, I can't open this door without this object. So I've got to have this object to open the door. Uh, so even that's teaching you how to program because uh, you're, obviously you, you, you're coding in that way. So you, you, you're mentally, you're learning logically how to do it with the, you know, you can't, you know, you can't do get to step C without doing step B. And you start in step A. That's exactly what programming is to a exactly. certain degree. Exactly, it's helping them. Yeah, the, lo so the think... whole, whole part around log logical thinking. This is yeah. great. I'm going to have a play with this. In fact, I might have a play with it tonight. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'll I'll try it. What I'll do is I'll try it on the the uh, got a little friend there. Um, I might try it on the uh, Raspberry Pi, and uh, I might try it on a Chromebook or something, and just sort of feedback next week how how I've got on with it. Um, yeah, and if we've got something working, you can have a little play as well. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd certainly like to see how it works in um, how you export it to an eight-bit machine as well. That's, yeah, that's definitely I mean, gonna just be. just being able to do that, or, or or you know, mobile, which that'll that'll help you know promote it to the kids. You know, yeah. I can play, I can I've got a created a game, and you can play it on your mobile. So yeah, I'm I'm liking this. I'm quite enthusiastic yeah. about this. So. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, so if anyone out there, you know, if everyone's got a little story in there, they've always wanted to write a book or something, they're not, not, don't, not quite get there, you know, write an adventure game instead. It's still the same story, you know, get, get, it, get it written. Absolutely. And great thing is, if you can't draw any graphics, you don't have to. Just no. write it. It's a text yeah. adventure. Absolutely, yeah. Fantastic. Good. Now, we did promise people this time round... Um, about uh, some PC specs that we're going to put together to see whether we can, uh, you know, put something that would, would potentially beat, uh, and I would expect to beat the new Xbox uh, at a certain budget. There's a bit of a competition between ourselves, but uh, we've had so much stuff for this time round, we're going to save that until next week. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what systems we've both um, got and who's cheated as well, because I'm sure uh, um, we've uh, managed to do that somehow. But There's yeah, no cheating uh, between brothers, Andy. We don't, we, we don't cheat. <laughs> no, no. Um, A bit of rivalry, yeah, but, maybe, but we don't cheat. No, <laughs> uh, no, probably not. Good. Have we got anything else that we're going to bring up next week? 
Yeah, I, I, I think we're, uh, we've got a topic on uh, the future of gaming as well um, and coming up because obviously I think, obviously, you know, we've gone from the 8-bit era um, consoles to, to, you know, to 8-bit computers back into consoles with the 16-bit era uh, and then it was consoles for a hell of a lot, you know, for a while. PC gaming, um, obviously, is taken off twice. Um, but obviously... You know, when you look at that, but, but, but I think that's a certain generation that's gone through all those, and I think the you know the next generation of uh, of people, I think they're slightly different. You know, you've got those they've never even you know they've never even sat at a computer. It's it's a mobile phone or tablet, and that is it. Um, so they're not. Their exposure is totally different to ours, um, and and it'd be good to talk about that as a topic, um, as a whole, really, about what you know, what is the future of gaming in twenty years' time? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's it, this this came from, you know, watching my kids doing a lot of gaming now on their mobiles or or tablets, and and, and to an extent, it worries me a little bit because because of the you know, if this is the future of gaming, just putting your thumb on a net, uh, on a screen and tapping occasionally you know it's there's not much to it in some cases i mean there's some brilliant ones out there we'll, we'll talk about it next week but it just brought up a, an interesting subject where do we think this is where it's going to go you know we, we've got consoles and we've still got like you say resurgence in desktop uh and laptop gaming um but is is this going to be the future and and as is our generation and some generations slightly younger than us or a lot younger than us um uh, going to be the last generation that might actually go out and buy a pc and and, and do some gaming so it'd be an interesting topic yeah. Yeah. um i've got some thoughts and i'm sure you have but we'll talk about that next week and the uh and it'd be a good one because we've got the pc spec as well i'm going to talk we about. have uh and whatever else comes up through the week so uh yep uh that's the end of the show for this week and this should be up uh, in the next few hours. So again, we said Tuesday, Wednesday for most people. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. See you soon. Bye-bye.